love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. We make each other better. She always reminds me about what actually matters. You know, love conquers all. Wherever he is, I I want to be there. Always. She just always accepted me for who I was. He makes me a better person. It was like love at first sight. Well, love is the most important thing. We think about like the row houses that you see on all the tourism posters. Mm -hmm. They're so brightly colored. Mm -hmm. So when you put them up against that background of that dark, cold looking solitude, you have this little spark of joy. Those little sparks of joy are spots that are really important and they feel more special in that isolation and solitude that is the natural landscape of Newfoundland. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Christina and Chris. They bonded first as friends over their love of home brewing, but their relationship fermented and bubbled up into a business as well. Then they hopped back home to the rock. Newfoundland, that is. Cold beer, cold breeze. Great love story. This is the Canadian Love Map. Okay, so I've got a a great glass of water here beside my mic, but I feel like I should be having a beer for this conversation. It's not too early. It's never too early. (laughs) That's your motto, right? (laughs) When you have your own brewery, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Christina and Chris, welcome to the Canadian Love Map. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. I am so excited to tell your story. I think it's so cool. And there's so many elements to it. But let's start at the beginning. When did you two meet? So originally, um, we would have met in like junior high-ish, just as friends, obviously. My best friend growing up uh, lived on my street, and she was uh, born in October, and I was born in February. So we, even though we were best friends, we were in different grades. And so I ended up becoming friends with a lot of her friends. And uh, that's how I met Chris uh, was because she was in the same class as Chris. And uh, in the early 2000s, I believe, uh, all of the schools here uh, transformed from being denominational to yeah. uh, public school. And so all this, everybody got shuffled up in junior high, basically, in, in our age group. Yeah, so we ended up in the same junior high. Uh, even though we were a uh, grade uh, in the difference, I was still hanging out with uh, with Chris and some friends in the same uh, classes. Would have been grade seven for me and grade eight for you. What was growing up in St. John's, Newfoundland like for both of you? I, I It was great for me because I was very lucky. I had a lot of kids on my street. Uh, so I was constantly outside uh, with, with all my friends. But then once you kind of get a little older... The, the limitations of Newfoundland start really showing themselves off. When you get your driver's license and you're excited to travel and do things and you realize you kind of have to drive two to 12 hours to get anywhere interesting. And then if you want to leave Newfoundland, you have to buy a plane ticket. 
<laughs> a little bit of isolation vibes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, for me, it was like, I, I like not so much growing up in St. John's, but spending summers out around um, the Cape Shore area, Branch and St. Bride's, where my grandparents are from. That's really where my childhood memories are, is really going out there, spending summers out in Branch and St. Bride's and just like really being on the ocean, exploring the beach. Um, for me, that was a huge part of my growing up. And that's only about two hours away from St. John's. So wasn't too onerous a trip. But a very different kind of childhood than most kids have today. I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so describe what you were each like in junior high. <laughs> I oh, think gosh. we're both pretty shy and quiet people. Yeah, huge nerds. <laughs> yeah, both of us. I think <laughs> not the cool kids. No, no. I, uh, I, I kind of came out of my shell once I joined a drama club, and uh, drama club certainly does not uh, allow you to go from being a shy nerd to being you know a popular kid so uh i think i got more confidence through it but i certainly didn't elevate my status out of nerddom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and were there any romantic sparks between these two nerds in junior high or was it just platonic just platonic yeah. really like we just kind of we had a we had a good diverse group of friends that were pretty gender mixed like it wasn't just like guys and you know it was it was pretty gender mixed um so everybody kind of hung out but no it wasn't really wasn't really our our vibe at the time yeah okay so this is where in the story we fast forward a bit right yeah yeah well because after high school i i went to carleton university in ottawa for my undergrad and chris you stayed in st john's for your undergrad yeah i did engineering at memorial university at in uh, here in st john's yeah and so then it wasn't until i moved back to newfoundland in 2010 after i finished my degree and i think we kind of rekindled our friendship there over homebrewing yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh you both had a love of homebrewing well, I kind of jumped into homebrewing. I started homebrewing in like 2010. Um, one thing about Newfoundland in 2010 was there's only three breweries, uh, like three craft breweries, and we both kind of love beer and drinks and stuff. So uh, obviously, <laughs> um, so there were only three breweries at the time, and none of them were really like heavy into like super interesting craft beer styles that we were interested in trying. And so in 2010, I was kind of like, I'm going to bite the bullet and learn to make my own beer. Uh, if nobody else is doing it here yet. Um, and so I started homebrewing. And then shortly after, Christina uh, kind of got interested in doing the same thing. And so she started homebrewing as well. I actually borrowed a bunch of equipment from you. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, I'd spent a year in Belgium in 2007, 2008. I did that as part of my undergraduate program. And I was studying philosophy. And turns out I'm not much of an academic, but I love drinking beer while I was in Belgium. Uh, so when I came back to Newfoundland, I I had also was missing uh, having a nice selection of beers to choose from. So when I tried some Chris's homebrew, I got excited and think, oh, I could do this too. So kind of went down the same path around the same time. So it was clearly a passion for both of you, but when did the passion start for each other? When did the sparks come into this brewing process? <laughs> Much later in the Much process. Much later, yeah. <laughs> Whole different province. <laughs> okay, tell me. All right, so I, uh, after spending a year back in St. John's, I was missing Ontario again. Uh, so I moved back to Ontario. This time I moved to Toronto. I didn't really have much of a plan in mind, but I ended up, doing uh, a program at George Brown College uh, in strategic relationship marketing. Uh, While I was doing that, 
I was also studying wine because uh, I was interested in potentially becoming a sommelier. Uh-huh. And this is around the same time that Chris moved up to Toronto as well, but for totally different reasons. Yeah, we weren't together. We, we were both with other people when we both moved to Toronto. And yeah, I moved to Toronto because I had pivoted my engineering into a humanities master's and was moving on to doing a PhD in the history of technology at the University of Toronto uh, at the Institute for History and Philosophy of Science and Technology. So I was on a very different career path from my engineering background to moving into humanities. So I moved up around the same time as Christina and a, a lot of people around my age group kind of were too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, the Newfoundland story of you have to move away to Toronto at some point. Yeah. Um, so we both kind of were in that chapter of our move away and see if we can stay away or come back uh, life story. Yeah. I had finished my program at George Brown and I started working in market research and I was hating it, <laughs> but I was loving uh, home brewing on the side and studying wine on the side. I started funneling a lot of that passion into homebrewing and then found myself working at a one of the largest homebrew stores in Toronto. Uh-huh. And so when did the two of you reconnect? We both kind of became like scenesters in like the craft beer world. Like we'd go to the same festivals with our partners and we'd go to like we do all sorts of different things. We were both homebrewing and just super passionate about beer and talking to brewers and talking to anybody that would talk to us (laughs) about beer and um, about brewing beer and getting into the brewing industry because it was always something of a dream for me to like kind of like open something in Newfoundland that I had kind of become obsessed as a historian with Newfoundland beer history and then around this beer culture and then having friends like Christina to talk to about beer. um, It kind of started taking over everything. I was going to say there's a tinge of obsession creeping in here. (laughs) More than a little. I think when you go down the route of opening up a brewery and then surviving opening up a brewery and we're about to hit year four of operations, you really needed that that hint of obsession to get you through the hard time to get you through the pandemic (laughs) and this is this is our second brewery we opened that's kind of where we really reconnected in toronto was uh christina's boyfriend at the time uh was working as a beer rep uh for one of the breweries in toronto and we were talking with him and some owners of a restaurant that used to be called habits gastro pub on college and Dovercourt. um and so they were like oh maybe we can do something with beer you guys are all coming in here talking about beer all the time and uh, like super interested know how to make beer they tried some of our homebrew and so uh they kind of bit the bullet and put in a little money to get a little small brew system there, like really tiny, like not much bigger than homebrew. And it got me and Christina uh, to kind of run the brewing side. That slowly became a full-time job where me and Christina were uh, hired on to take on the brewing side of that operation. And they went through a whole rebranding too, where they rebranded from Habits Gastropub to Folly uh, Brew Pub. Yeah. And so we ended up having Folly Brew Pub that opened in like 2015, I think, or 15. Yeah. Okay. But when did the folly of love start? Let's get to the love. Well, that's 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 all tied up in this. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's close in that. So, I mean, we're working around each other every single day, nonstop. And then we're still doing the beer events that we both are going to. We're still talking about you just, you know, you get excited. And, and so I think what was happening was we were, um, there was a lot of stress involved in opening a brewery. The more time we spent with each other, the more things we had in common, the more deep conversations we were having about beer and then other things. And 
I think some feelings kind of started sparking then. Yeah. Yeah. So it was around the same time as opening this first brewery for us uh, that feelings kind of started happening. And Yeah. (laughs) Chris, I love that she kind of asked you. There was a question mark when she said, I think that's when feelings started. Describe to me the evolution for you, Chris, of going from this is my friend and and work wife to "Hmm, (laughs) I think there's something more here. So it, it took a minute to kind of figure out where we were going to land with any of this, like if this was going to be something that was really we're going to upturn our lives for. We'd already just upturned our lives to like quit. I quit my PhD. Christina left her marketing career and we kind of were up ending our lives. And it's like, well, where's this going to stop? Wow. This is a this is a, a suspenseful moment in your movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very stressful, too. We did eventually uh, figure it out and get together um, around that time. So around when the first brewery was officially relaunching as Folly Brew Pub, we we officially got together and um, have been working and brewing together since. And what was it, do you think, apart from the beer that attracted you to each other? I think we're both very intellectually curious. I mean, Christina's Christina did humanities as an undergrad. She loves classics. She loves thinking. And I was doing I did philosophy as my master's. So we both kind of had that academic kind of bent to things. That's how we like to think about things. Our our mutual love of the humanities and respect for well curated things, I guess. Um, Like we we both had a a shared interest in arts, music, literature, all these sort of things uh, that while exploring beer, it's, it's really easy to start then exploring the arts because you're thinking about something that's well-crafted. And when you're exploring something that's well-crafted, then you start thinking about other things that are well-crafted. I think it, it really inspires a lot of interesting conversations. And it's not always about the beer. Sometimes, uh, I've once heard a really great quote about beer. It's a good beer is not a beer that you drink, that you talk about. A good beer is that you talk over. Uh-huh. Oh, I like that. So tell me about the next step in your relationship. Um, I mean, we had moved in together and we were kind of working on getting the brewery off the ground. Like, I mean, it wasn't an immediate success. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of struggle in those first, uh, especially that first year with the brewery, yeah. just trying to get like we never we both were not business people. We never really done that side of it. And uh, so we kind of had a huge learning curve together and with the owners of uh, the restaurant to kind of figure out like what, 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 what our jobs and lives look like now that we've, you know, got together, we've jumped into this new career path. And we don't know a ton about the career path. We don't know a ton about what the next step is for us. So we just kind of spend a lot of time learning about brewing and just focused focused on work a lot. It sounds like a baptism by fire a little bit because you're in that stressful work situation, but you're also learning to live together in your relationship. In looking back, was that a really great way to start your relationship in terms of the strength that it gave you? Or how would you describe it? This was a, a definite trial by fire for us. And we really, we really got put through it. So it was a hard year, I'd say. the hard That first year of being together and just trying to figure out everything, it was a hard year. It was really tough. <laughs> and so we came out the other end a lot stronger. We fortunately, a big turning point for us at the brewery is the first Ontario Craft Beer Guide 
by Jordan St. John and Robin LeBlanc came out and they put us like in the top 10 breweries in Ontario for like beer quality. And so we were really like as this, you know, scrappy little brewery that was just doing a DIY and just <laughs> figuring it out in the back of a restaurant. Um, that meant a lot to us. And and it, and we got more involved in the beer community because there was a little bit of respect gained from that, yeah. which helped. And so all of that started, you know, we started getting in a good trend with uh, that brewery and we started getting in a good sp- space in a relationship to kind of explore Toronto together, do a lot more things. It, it got into a good stride there in, in Toronto for that period. And when did Newfoundland start to call you home? Newfoundland starts calling home the second you're born if you're from Newfoundland. <laughs> um, it, you can't get away from it. Love um, it. But um, more seriously, I think in 2017, yeah. uh, over the winter of 2017, we were kind of sitting down and saying, okay, well, where are we going with this? Toronto was becoming really expensive. And scrappy little brewery salaries don't really cover like a dream of owning a house in Toronto in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started looking back home and seeing what things were like there. And one big thing that happened was uh, one of the first new craft breweries that opened in Newfoundland was Port Rexton Brewing Company. Uh, They opened in 2016. Um, and Sonia and Alicia, the two owners of that, they came up to just learn the Toronto scene. They'd never met us, but they knew we were from Newfoundland and knew we'd show them a good time. So they came up and we uh, spent a little bit of time brewing with us at Folly. And they started planting some seeds there about like, oh, well, there's a lot of potential there. Then that summer in 2017, uh, they flew me down to help them like with their barrel program. They were starting to fill some wine barrels with beer and nobody on the island had done that. And so we had done it a bunch. And so they flew me down and I got to see their first anniversary party. And it was gangbusters. Like <laughs> I'd never seen like I we had, me and Christina had been to so many Toronto beer events and so many things. And we'd never seen like this pure enthusiasm that everybody at that party had for beer. And like Port Rexton is a three hour drive from St. John's. And the population of Port Rexton is what, like 5,000 people? No, like 500. Yeah. <laughs> so like that means so many people from all over the island drove and stayed over in Port Rexton just for that party. So after wild. after seeing that, it was a little, um, okay, it looks like things are getting good in Newfoundland if you know how to brew beer, if you know, have an idea for a brewery. And we always had, you know, there's always ideas. Uh, And so with the coupling of that with Toronto becoming pretty hard to make a go of it at, looking back to Newfoundland, being near our families, being near our parents, um, all started to look a lot more promising. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Yeah, I was going to ask if that experience where you talk about the pure enthusiasm was as much what drew you back in terms of it's a business decision to go back to Newfoundland and start a, a your own brewery, but also that sense of connection, not only to your families, but that sense of connection that you found at that gathering. Was that yeah. a big part of your decision? 
it was absolutely huge, absolutely huge. And at that gathering, they had some homebrewers at the time, uh, people that were homebrewing. They, they showed them how to brew. And I think about four or five people there went on to open breweries in Newfoundland just from that one event. A lot of breweries that are here now were all at that party and I got to meet them all for the first time. And it just got us really excited about it. What I'm excited about is that you are mentioning your quote unquote competitors names, which leads me to the idea that there is a sense of collegiality in that industry there. Absolutely. I mean, it's such a small place. We all kind of work together uh, to make sure this industry is going to grow in a nice way and to kind of make all of our products kind of a rising tide carries all ships situation uh, to make all of our products stand out better. Yeah, that's beautiful. Did you just say up along? Yeah. (laughs) Explain, please. So, um, <laughs> Explique, up, up, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> you know, like up along, like the mainland is, we you sometimes call it up along. So like, you know, it's up along the way, you know. Um, yeah. uh, it's just always what I've always It's thought. not here. It's not yeah. here, it's up along. It's, oh, know. interesting. It's like the opposite of come from away. Well, it's yeah. similar to yeah. come from away. Exactly. Okay. First of all, what is it about Newfoundland that engenders such a deep sense of of love and connection? It's hard to explain what keeps people coming back here. It's not the weather. It's not the economy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's just this special little, like, everything's so... um, close together, but far away. It has a weird sense of space and time here. Anywhere else in North America, you can kind of say, I'm going to drive five hours and be at another spot that has a million people, a city like that. Here, there's no real direction for that. So kind of you have what you have here and you kind of fall in love with it. Like we have rocks, we have ocean, we have sea, we have spray. Once it gets into you, it's really hard to get it out of you. You want to come back here and, and just be here. How would you describe your relationship now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're very solid. <laughs> yeah. We finish each other's sentences half the time. Yeah. So um, it's still really like, even though we have challenges with the brewery now and there's all these um, opportunities and challenges, um, we're really completely in sync. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of weird in some ways because when you work with somebody and live with somebody and you just spend like, we're together 90% of the time. And it's it's kind of odd when you can be near somebody that much and you just still have that kind of sync with them. It seems to me like you have a true partnership in every sense of the word. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We just had each other for so long. Where we just had each other for that first year, we just kind of had to depend on each other and confused together. (laughs) It felt like you against the world in a way, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. Well, I guess you probably have a sense of the fact that it worked out so well and that there was some sense of you were meant to be together. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, yeah, we have been pretty good together. <laughs> so <laughs> we were accomplishing a lot in uh, in our time together. Are you married? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. we got married shortly after we opened the brewery. So we moved back to open land wash in 2000 and the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, we build out was around 2018 and we opened at the end of 2018 we opened Landwash Brewery um, and then uh, that's the following summer 2019 we uh, we got married okay you can't just yada yada right over that romance part so <laughs> I need to know that story please Christina proposed to me yeah and you were gonna uh, skip that story seriously <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's have it 
Well, I mean, it was in the middle of when we were, we were trying to decide to move back. We were in this big situation where we were trying to decide to leave Toronto, leave the brewery we just built together. We put so much of ourselves into. Yeah. Yeah, we were just in our apartment. We were in a nicer apartment at that point. <laughs> a legal apartment. <laughs> we were in our apartment and we had a nice bottle of wine. And we were just talking about the business plan. And I just said, Chris, you should, you should get married. That wasn't a very exciting or interesting proposal. It was just... It was pretty private, but it yeah. was still... Um, it just it just made sense yeah. at the time. And we just... Yeah, it just... I, I don't think we needed anything really romantic or exciting for a proposal because everything that we were doing was just with us yeah. being together. So it just... Yeah, it was just kind of made sense. What was your response, Chris? Uh, yes. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then you just watched a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. There's no rings or anything like that. So. <laughs> and how and when did the wedding happen? So we got married in August of 2019. My parents have a really lovely cabin uh, two hours outside of St. John's. Um, and they there's a beautiful field. And I told my parents that I wanted to get married there. And they thought it was a grand idea. Uh, so we had the wedding there. And let's see, my cousin is a restaurateur and he did the food. Uh, so we had a, a taco stand. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, it was super fun. And we invited a bunch of our friends who were in the beer industry. So we had uh, basically an open bar of uh, Newfoundland craft beer. So the wedding was a little bit of a beer festival. Yeah. <laughs> but there weren't a lot of beer festivals in Newfoundland. So all our families thought it was like really interesting and exciting. And it it, it was really fun for everybody. Yeah. My dad built the dance floor and all the tables and he painted them really beautiful, bright colors. Um, it was a really gorgeous day. Very cool. One of our best friends did the wedding ceremony um, and he made it very personable. Then uh, a lot of our friends and family did readings uh, from books that were really important to us. Uh, so one of our friends did a reading from a book about tacos, <laughs> which is a little silly, but it was really meaningful to us. Was there an analogy? Well, I mean, tacos are such a humble food. That's kind of what we were talking about is tacos, like the tortilla, like everything's really humble and simple about it, but it can be really beautiful and elegant. And we, we think the same thing often about beer. It's, you know, it's, it can be something you kind of dismiss as like cheap and, and, and yellow, fizzy, yellow fizzy and boring, but you know, like there's a lot more to it. And that's a lot of what we do is we, we look at something that can be really trivial or simple and, try to find greatness in it and that's a lot of our story is trying to just turn something that seems really trivial and, and into something that's really elevated and wonderful so how is your relationship like a taco <laughs> how is it like a taco <laughs> well it's got a lot of different a lot of different elements i would yeah. say tacos typically you know there's a lot of dressing there's acidity there's spices ever kind of well balanced but yeah. a lot of different elements in our lives i would say well balanced but exciting yeah <laughs> spicy and delicious yeah <laughs> oh that's so great i uh, am curious to know what it is you love most about each other i love christina's patience <laughs> i'm deeply impatient i'm i i it's a 
it's just how I am. And I just like to get things done in the most efficient way possible. It's a really useful trait on my end uh, for like getting things done. But uh, when you're the only, when you're the person that I'm talking to the most, it, it gets, it can get annoying. So I, I, I value her patience more than anything. Mm. Uh, let's see. There's so many great things about Chris. It's hard to choose the one. I, I think it's his intellect. It's always been his intellect. He's an incredibly smart guy. Um, and not just through his all of his fancy education. <laughs> uh, he's just naturally always been a really intelligent, thoughtful, and empathetic person. And I've always been, well, like we've been friends for so long. So I've always enjoyed being around him because of all those things. So I think that's the number one thing that I've always loved about him. You both seem to have a pretty easygoing nature as well. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean, we're pretty you, chill. You really have to have an easygoing <laughs> nature in this industry. There's so many, so many stressful, horrible things that can happen in just one day. And you never really know what you're going to wake up to. I think any business owner can say that, though. Yeah, having done two brewery build-outs and have every challenge thrown at us in the book, yeah. um, it's kind of made it so we do have to, as much as possible, kind of try to laugh it off. Well, you say every challenge, and I guess that means I have to mention the pandemic. But uh, <laughs> is it is it a safe assumption to say that um, brewing is actually one of the industries that maybe best survived through the pandemic? We survived it pretty okay. It's heartbreaking closing your tap room. Yeah, that was the hardest part. The day we kind of had to close the tap room, I, I cried and hugged Chris. And it was hard. Like, we, you know we didn't open a brewery just to fill cans and send them put it on shelves a big part of it for us was the community aspect and having a busy full tap room almost every day and then you know going from that to using your tap room space for storage for cardboard and other items it was a, it was pretty sad yeah it sounds like that loneliness that people all over the world were feeling that emptiness sort of yeah, we had just filled, made this beautiful tap room less than like a year previous to that. And we were just seeing it full of people and full of life. And then to kind of have like, we were dreaming about this tap room for years <laughs> and like how it was going to look, the look and feel. Christina's dad built the tables and the, bar. and the bar. My parents helped construct the, like all the stuff in the brewery. Did and all the painting. All the painting and everything. And so we just built this beautiful space that we were so proud of. And then to lose it right away was, or like a year in was, it was pretty tragic we were really really sad about it but you know we made it through and uh now it's back to back to life and it's lovely seeing people back in it and yeah. having a good time okay the last piece of love that i want to talk about today is your love of newfoundland i really want to hear from both of you in terms of why you love newfoundland so much and maybe tell people across the country what is it about newfoundland that makes it such an amazing place to live family history, our way of life. Like my, my grandfather, uh, on my father's side, it was fishing. And my grandfather in the 90s was lost at sea. Him and his crew were killed in a freak accident out on the water. Not really sure exactly what happened. There's some theories. Uh, my father grew up fishing uh, and then he worked at sea uh, my whole life. Not fishing, uh, but more so in the shipping industry. So I was always very connected to the ocean because of that. And I think that connection to the ocean and where St. John's is right on the water, like I'd leave my parents' house and you'd hear a foghorn just randomly, or you might hear just horns off ships. Mm -hmm. 
and you could smell the salt water in the air, even though you were probably like 10 kilometers away from the ocean. It was just always that foggy. You could smell the, smell the ocean. Just, I don't know, something about that. Just it, it gets into your skin kind of the same way that cold, damp air gets into your skin, gives you a chill. It, it connects you to the place. And the moment you leave, you're, t- you're telling people about Newfoundland. You're telling them about your dialect, the word that you say that people may not understand, like up along. Um, <laughs> and people get really charmed by that. And rightly so, it is charming. It's just, it's a really beautiful, charming place. And when tourists come and talk to you, they tell you just kind of the same things. It's just, it's a really beautiful, charming place and they don't understand why. And there's just something about it. And they just, they can't wait to come back. For me with that, I think it's kind of the contrast between the kind of the joy and the solitude of Newfoundland, particularly like we think about like the row houses that you see on all the tourism posters. Mm -hmm. They're so brightly colored, but then you think about the landscape behind it and it's dark greens of the forest, dark blue of the ocean and stark white sky. And you suddenly see this little biscuit house that's bright blue or bright red. That's always that's something we do in our in our marketing here at the brewery is like our cans are really bright colors. Mm-hmm. So when you put them up against that background of that dark, cold looking solitude, you have this little spark of joy. And just where we are so far away from everybody else and so far away from the rest of the country, those little sparks of joy are, are spots that are really important and they feel more special in that isolation and solitude that is the kind of natural landscape of Newfoundland. That is so well said that you're triggering my Newfoundland roots. <laughs> I want to move home. There you go. <laughs> I've never lived there, but my ancestors did. And it just sounds so beautiful. And I think it's also a beautiful thing that not only are you benefiting from being back in this beautiful province, but you're contributing to making it better. I hope so. You know, we're trying. We always like to have a little bit of that romantic nostalgia of Newfoundland. Um, So we like to tie into all of like the Joey Smallwood 1950s and 60s, kind of like this modern, like imagining a modern Newfoundland from those dates. We like to tie in a little Newfoundland history and all of that stuff. Like it, it really is an interesting place. And we really do want to contribute to it becoming cooler, more interesting, um, just finding its own voice in craft beer particularly. And we also love chatting with other people that work in other industries that are doing similar things, trying to find ways to make Newfoundland, the the things you can purchase and do and see in Newfoundland more exciting for everybody else. Like we love being around those, uh, those other people as well. We work with local coffee roasters, jumping bean we use in our stout for a coffee stout. We work with Newfoundland Tea Company to get teas for some of our beers. Newfoundland Salt Company. Newfoundland Salt Company. We do a salted sour beer. It's one of our most popular beers. And it uses Newfoundland Salt Company sea salt that's harvested from the Bonavista Peninsula. And so, and it's beautiful, beautiful, like the best sea salt you'll find in for a kitchen ever. So there's so many local producers that are doing these really interesting, scrappy things. And we love trying to tie their story into ours. And just to kind of amplify the whole thing that stuff is getting made here, stuff is happening here. And it's really, really interesting and exciting seeing where it's going. It sounds to me like you've created the perfect recipe for life. <laughs> I hope so. We're trying. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a work in progress still, but you know, we're 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 trying. All right. Well, when I head back to the rock, I'll see you then. Oh yeah, for sure. We'll make sure you get some beer. When I come back from up along. 
I'll yeah. see you in yeah. Newfoundland. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having it us. It was our pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.